We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Sunday edition. You know what that means. It's the things I think I know about the Cleveland Browns here this offseason, which ties the cross-in of OBR Film Breakdown, myself, Jake Burns, and All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. If you paid attention to last week's episode on Sunday, we did three players we predicted the Browns would select on the offensive side of the football of the eight picks. Now, again, we're leaving a lot of wiggle room here. They have eight picks. We're only really predicting six players here. It's a bit of a difficult game because you're trying to pick guys in different areas, right? You're not going to pick three guys. You think they're going to take it 74 and try to, maybe that ups your odds. I don't know. Maybe we're going about this the wrong way, Brad, but I, <laughs> I know when we do this, we are sort of trying to pick like an early draft, middle draft relative to the Browns, right? Cause they're only starting in the middle of the draft, but yeah, some of their early picks, some of their middle picks and some of their, maybe the, the later picks um, a little bit in between. Cause they have a bunch of picks in a hurry, you know, between 98 and, 142 what do they have like four or five picks there so you get you get quite a bit we have one you have 98 111 126 140 142 so yeah you have five picks in a hurry so there's a lot of chances to kind of try to find a sweet spot for some of these players so again what we are trying to do is the best we can look at some of the parameters by which the browns have picked players combine that with some of the preferences we have for the skill that's out there that we have witnessed uh, or, or have come to like in terms of film study and then uh, overall trying to fit them into the Browns roster, right? So just a fun exercise. We did last week offense, thought it was pretty fun. This week we're going to jump right into defense. So a little bit of a shorter episode because we're not going to go all too long here with only three prospects each side. But uh, I think this should be fun. Defense, there's a lot of stuff that they could go after. They did really after their uh, immediate rush of prospects that they signed in free agency, they didn't go out and really – add some of those lower level depth pieces right now the Al Woods connection happened haven't seen that come to fruition haven't seen them add a veteran edge so there's like some of these pieces that are lingering out there that we thought maybe they would go go get a a veteran third safety it feels like they're going to wait on the draft post draft to decide if there's some spots that they want to fill there are a lot of different veterans still in the market and some of these prominent positions so a lot to be determined about this roster beyond this draft but as we look at it we're trying to fit in where do we think that they would prefer to get some guys? They're certainly best player available. They're certainly pushing things off and analyzing how this roster, this draft decision would help the roster more in 24 than 23. Yeah. But there's a balancing act that goes on here. So I obviously have Brad uh, Ward here with me, crossing over. Brad, what's up, buddy? How are you tonight? I'm great, man. I'm uh, ready for the draft to be here, sir. Like, uh, I feel like... I know every one of these guys now. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. So, yeah. did walk the mock last night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, great experience. Uh, wild stuff. Who did you come out of that early with? Give us your first three picks last night. Uh, so, we took uh, <clears throat> Antonio Johnson from A&M Safety. He mm-hmm. dropped. So, he's like the second-rated safety, and he dropped all the way to 74. So, we scooped him up there. We took Zach Harrison with the uh, uh, 98, 
And then we took uh, Tank Bigsby at, uh, what is that, 111? 111. Yeah. That is correct. So those are the top okay. three. Uh, also, waited really late to get a receiver, took Grant DuBose, who I actually like the more I've watched of him. So from Charlotte. Uh, Fun player. Kind of an exciting player that maybe could help right away. Um, good good height, you know, explosive. So uh, we took him, and I uh, got Keetrell Clark in there, who I'm a big fan of as well. And uh, Jack finally relented. You know, Jack stayed up till like, whatever, 3 a.m. over across the pond there, helping me uh, with the draft, keeping me within the guardrails until the final pick. <laughs> he let me take Ventrell Miller on the final pick. He's like, fine, take your old man in the last pick in the seventh round. So that was Jack, funny. Jack takes those guardrails pretty seriously. He does. He was keeping know? me in line. I was like, I want to take him. I want to... Nope, nope, nope. Kept me within the guardrails. So, but uh, it was fun. That's what they're there for. Yes. The bumpers are uh, there to keep your bowling ball inside the lane, right? Exactly. That's what Jack does. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, listen, Brad, you hit, hit You can hit lead off in this one. We will... Like I said, three uh, we compared to make sure there was no crossover, which maybe that's cheating. I don't know, but I, I feel like we shouldn't cross over prospects. But uh, three prospects, I think some different positions here, too. So it should be fun to hear about each one of these. You start off. You must start off at safety because I, I feel like safety is like a lock that they take a safety in this draft, right? And maybe in one of those top four picks, I feel like they're going to take it maybe early because seems like an open roster spot. I guess you're right. They could wait and take them in late free agency, I guess. There's a couple guys out there, but... Uh, this seems like with Delpit's future, kind of a no-brainer to me. So I'm going to go Jamie Robinson, who I'm sure a lot of Browns fans are familiar with. We've seen him mock to the Browns some. Uh, he's 22 uh, years old, 22.6 years old. Uh, he has a RAS of 6.07. Um, listen, he is probably the most complete, versatile safety in this class right so he has started for four years tons of experience he's versatile they've asked him to play all over the place he has good speed not elite speed but he has good speed right um he was asked to play in the slot he's been asked to play strong safety free safety so um he can play some man-to-man out of the slot right some nickel uh he's a very good tackler a willing run defender because um, he's had to do everything, right? Um, and uh, he can contribute. I think most people believe he can contribute right away uh, in the NFL at some level, like even if it's as your dime, you know, safety, which I think he would probably be for the Browns if they elected to go that route with him. So uh, let me give you some more information on him real quick here. Uh, he is... So he's uh, 5'11", 191. Um, nothing like elite. I guess his bench press was 93rd percentile. That's pretty good for a safety, right? Um, and, uh, you know, other than that, his 40s a 4'5", Like I said, good speed, but not elite. Um, nothing else like crazy, you know, athleticism-wise, but he's a good, fluid athlete. Um if we look at the boards, he's number 91 on the consensus board, uh, Jake. Um, and uh, sa- at, at the Beast, he is safety number eight with a third to fourth round grade. And uh, PFF has him safety number five and prospect number 75. So varying a little bit from the consensus board. But he's in that top 100 players most places. Um very versatile guy, tons of experience. Think he can help you right away. Yeah, Jamie's been connected a lot to Cleveland, right? And he and he came to Cleveland. He visited, so he's been around. Uh, I I certainly see that's a name connection. Now, right to your point, some of the stuff about where do they bend on athleticism, right? He's 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 shorter. He is less length. He's not a very big athlete, but he plays a very physical brand of football. To your point, I think he is one of the most complete. From a college standpoint, versatile safeties played everywhere. He's not afraid to hit you. He will blow plays up. He will play downhill, fast, physical. He can cover. I certainly understand it. The only thing that is to them, to me, is what's the project? How does he get better in the NFL? That's a question I could see them asking, right? And maybe he's already good enough. Maybe he's good enough to them, and they they're fine, and that fits and that rocks. But 
I just think that there's some of that stuff that can get asked. It's a question about a lot of these guys, right? Yeah, for sure. What's the room for growth? I, I think Jamie's a great prediction, and I certainly could see them based on his history. What they're trying to figure out is the next safety behind Grant Delp, but I continue to prepare people for if Grant has the year we think he's going to have, he is not going to be extended here. There's just not enough money. There's really not. So you've got to start planning ahead for that. You talk about how drafts are planning a year or two out in advance. This is an example. To your point, I am also going to go safety. Um, one that's a little more mystery than anything else. Uh, I, I think JL Skinner is a really interesting prospect. Mm-hmm. Boise State kid. Okay. 6'4, 210. Um, has versatility, right? He's played in 44 games, started 31. He started the last 24 games of his college career. He actually did miss two games. He had a pec injury, he had a torn pec that cost him really getting out and preparing, doing the combine, doing the pro day. But he's long. So like I said, 6'4, 210. 32 arms, uh, a 77 and 78 wingspan, long, lanky athlete. I think that some of the stuff about um, people try to kind of pigeonhole him as a down player. I think he can do some of those things. I certainly see where people want to put him more down toward the line of scrimmage, but I think he's got split safety experience. He can play the post when they needed him to at Boise State. He did the too high stuff. I like a lot of that. He has slot snap experience, okay? So I think that's something he can certainly do. But I do think he's more adept to playing a little deeper in the backfield, too. But he can come up and thump, right? He's not afraid to do that. So if you wanted to start him out as a dimebacker, he comes in, he's a dimebacker. He can do that role right away. But he could develop and play more snaps in the back half of your defense, too. And he's just a rangy big athlete, and he can run. I know he didn't test, but he can run, man. He had 92 tackles his junior year. That went down to 60. So what happened is his role switched a little bit. He was a second-team All-Mountain West Conference player in 21. 92 tackles, seven tackles for loss. Then he started playing his senior year in the more back half of that Boise defense at 3-3-5 they run. And he had 65 tackles because he was further away from the line of scrimmage, but he had eight passes defended and four interceptions. First team All-Mountain West, obviously led the team in passes defended interceptions. That's the stuff you like. He's just a glider, like, like really can move for the size. He can play in the box, like I said, range to cover. He can get with tight ends. He can play that nickel safety, low hole stuff as well. I think he's got great upside. Third or fourth round projection, so I would say... His range to me, they probably wouldn't look at him at 74 because the testing data is too incomplete. Uh, you need you need to know some of that. You're you're judging some of the. Well, I'm sure they'll use some of the GPS data with this one, Brad. But you know you would like to see him test his role as far as raw athlete explosiveness and all that stuff goes. So I think it's like 98 to 126. He's 93 on the mock draft database big board. He is on Dane's big board, 92 overall. He gives him a third to fourth round grade. And then Pro Football Focus has him as the eighth-ranked safety with a third-round grade. So, you know, he might not be there at 111, but if he, like 111 to me is the sweet spot where you could get J.L. Skinner. He's just over. He just turned 22 at this point of the draft, so he's young, uh, young enough. Not perfect guardrail stuff here because he's not 21. But again, I'm not asking for him pick 74. I'm more predicting him either pick 98 or 111. 126 feels like it's pushing it. But I think a lot of what he did at Boise, both his junior and senior year, are comparable to what he would be doing in the NFL. They think there's some, in my opinion, some leeway to see how he could do whatever role you wanted him to. Could come in and play a certain role's rookie year, adapt to the NFL, and then play more of that back half coverage if Grant Delpit ends up moving on to another organization. I can see that fit. So I don't think we're wrong with either of these. These are two great predictions at safety in terms of value safeties. Jamie Robinson from Brad, myself, I took JL Skinner uh, as my uh safety of of prediction here so uh the boise state kid so um brad yeah you're up with your second one Uh, i'll let you go there i think there's still another position of crossover here for both of us real quickly on skinner is he out for a certain amount of time with that injury from what i've gathered he's back for camp like he should be back okay i didn't know what the timeline was on that just curious um okay uh my second guy is gonna be uh linebacker demarvion overshawn uh, overshone, pardon me. Wait, I told Joe I was going to screw that up. So, uh, overshone <laughs> is 6'3, 229. He's 22.6 uh, years old. Uh, this is a guy from Texas. Uh, I watched, uh, actually watched some of his tape. Uh, um, Jake, uh, he is a converted safety. Um, and he's a lot of fun to watch actually at Texas. He's a really fun to watch. Where's number zero flies all over the, all over the field. Uh, actually a lot of fun to watch elite speed for a safe for a, uh, linebacker four, five, six. Um, and he's a fluid athlete, right? He's, 
can you can run with tight ends, run with running backs, change your direction skills are all there. All that stuff, the good hips from being a safety, right? He's got good length, good long arms. Um, he, you know, he can rush off the edge when they ask him to blitz. Um, but he needs, you know, he's a little raw, right? Like he, he's newer to the position, so he's kind of figuring it out. Um, but one thing I would say that, you know, you asked the question before about Jamie, like what makes you better at the next level? I think that what I've read and in what you can kind of see on tape on, on over shown is that, uh, he has the frame to put on more weight. So although he is six three two twenty nine, right at the combine, I think they, they, he has the build, uh, and, and a frame in his upper half to add some more weight and then combine that with that speed and be a really good athlete and throw his weight around back there. Because he, he is not afraid to fly around and make plays, sideline to sideline, um, you know, see ball, get ball type guy. Consensus 126 linebacker number eight on the consensus board. PFF, he is player 112 linebacker number six, and the Beasts have him also at linebacker number eight. Uh, I like him a lot, you know, but my concern here is Jake, and you can tell me what you think too similar to JOK. Are you too light back there? If you go overshone, uh, Owosu Koromoa. Yeah. That's some of the question that Dane has, right? The undersized nature of his stuff. Can he get off blocks? What made JOK really special and continues to, to do so here is his ability to make guys, if he can't take you on straight up, right? He's not going to take on the 315-pound left guard straight up. But what he's able to do is maintain that gap integrity while making a guy miss, like putting a little quick, subtle move on alignment so they can't touch you. That Still, though, you're not losing your gap integrity. And I know JOK is working to perfect that, but um, that's something that you have to ask, right? So it depends on where Overshone's going to play. If, if, if you're projecting him at a will – backer that's sort of a rule that they have occupied the rule that continues to remain open for me is a mic backer right? right because you have you know you have uh jacob phillips who's there is continually beat up can't can't stay healthy for the life of him and when he's been on the field it's not been as good as you want it to be they obviously signed back a walk anthony walker but you know he's coming off a quad what does he look like is he the same athlete some of those questions um you know that's the stuff I, i'm not i'm not totally sure i i, I think overshone is a, is a nice player he projects a lot of people third fourth round sort of great he's got great profile for the position you know the stuff like you said you can improve tackling right that's that's yeah. a problem area that's yeah. shown up right so tackling stuff like the run stops were strong he had 30 of them the, the missed tackle rate though at 13.2 percent is tied for 237th in the ncaa last year but not all missed tackles are created equal i'm not spending time going and looking at every single overshown missed tackle jok had the same red flag coming into the nfl a, a, a missed tackle where you're redirecting a guy in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage for somebody else to next to you make the play it's not the same as being out in open space a guy makes you miss and he runs for 30 yards you know what i'm saying there's difference there's a different level to missed tackles i think overshown has enough athletic ability to overcome that you're talking about a guy still under 23 years old he's got great change of direction his frame is strong the speed is strong can he overcome the physicality to your point brad right he's got a lot of tools to like how does he overcome the physicality stuff that's going to be the question for him can he can he find a way to play around the physicality concerns and what jok does is the perfect example of a way to get around that uh, is he as fluid a hip changing athlete as jok is that's what's going to be the question for him right i mean four five six forty is strong a ten four broad is extremely strong but the 15 bench press reps are low, right? So the stack and shed, the lockout, get rid of a guy is probably not like Jack Campbell good, yeah. right? Not that big, not, not 6'5", 250. But again, can he find ways to be so quick to the football that guys coming off of double teams or guys coming down on down blocks can't impact him the way that that would be a problem if he's standing there and he's not processing things quick enough. I think there's enough here to like him at pick 111, 126, something along those lines. So I could be okay with that selection. So I, I certainly see where you're coming from with that prediction. I do think they're adding a linebacker. I don't have a linebacker in my group, but I do think a linebacker at some point is going to be added. Now, whether that's if they get lucky to be close enough to go up and get Jack Campbell in the 60s per se, or that means they're taking, like you said here, overshone Dorian Williams from Tulane. There are a lot of nice linebacker options. Owen Papo, the kid from uh, Auburn, right? Another freak runner who's got the same sort of can he handle the physicality of the position questions? The more this is it's a more popular thing, Brad. Now, 
linebackers are getting lighter and lighter. Yes. Everybody's getting lighter because they need them to cover in space in college. These guys are exactly. coming in like 190. Go check out 247 Sports. Like, go look at the weight of linebackers coming into the college level. <laughs> Even if they put on that muscle mass, yeah. you go from 190 to 215, 220. Yeah. Right? You just don't see those big thumper types. So now you have to, at the NFL level, how can we put these guys in a position that you know that's why like these interior guys who can eat up two blockers until the very last moment are so paramount because you don't have the junior Seals or the Zach Thomases or I should give better examples the Patrick Willis's or the Brian Erlockers who can disengage through stack shed release yep. the way that linebackers of that size used to because still at the NFL level you want them to be rangy you need them to be able to run they cannot be the plotting downhill 260 pound Mike linebackers of old but you also walk that fine line of like a team who can just cram it down your throat because you can't run fit right like that can happen too and we saw that all too much last year at times the, de the defensive tackles were not supporting those linebackers and making life really really difficult so that's obviously something the Browns are trying to rewrite but Overshown is, is squarely in the mix and that's funny because you have another Texas product I'm going to talk about another Texas product myself. You got the two running backs that are coming out in this class. Like, it's amazing to me that Texas is not winning more games. They got a ton of draftable guys That's here. That's a great point. Two defensive tackles that are really, really draftable. I'm talking about Moro Ojimo. I know that there's also Keandre Coburn in this class as yep. well. I'm predicting Ojimo because, like, I think he's the sweet spot of so many things that the Browns look at, right? It's amazing to me. One of the funnier stories, he's 21 and, like, 21.7 years old. But he's a fifth-year senior, and you might ask yourself, well, how the hell is that possible? How can you be a fifth-year guy and be <laughs> 21 years old? It's he true. entered college at 16 years old. So he's he got to Texas at 16, 17 years old. He's been around for a while. What stands out is this past year, a 90.6 PFF grade, an 85 rush grade, which is obviously – the sort of stuff the Browns look for on top of many other things, right? The relative athletic scores in the nine. So if you look at his relative athletic score, he's putting together a 9.16 with elite explosion grades, a 33 inch vertical, a 904 broad, a great composite speed grade with a 5.0440 and two really strong 10, 20 and 10 yard splits, which those splits tell you how quick a guy gets off the football twitchiness, right? His three cone was really strong. So if you have a mixture of a guy who's 21 years old, explosive athlete, right and has a strong pff grade because that's the stuff they like they like guys who have shown some sort of con consistency at that level you can see where they would be drawn to moro ojima now i don't think he's a finished product some people see him more as like a four i square five tech three four defensive end i think he can play a wide three technique and a wide nine front that's why i think they'll be drawn to him because you could put dalvin tomlinson at the one mm -hmm. or you you know the shade or whatever you want to do uh, it gives you another like sort of interior tool to use, right? If you go get an Al Woods and maybe you play Tomlinson at the three, Woods is playing the one, then your next unit, you can shuffle Tomlinson over, let him get a different look. I think Ojimo is a really interesting player. Graded out really well against the run too, so you like that. Um, you know, you had pass rush wins that were tied for 25th in the entire NCAA last year. His sacks, he had five sacks tied for 24th, and that was only in 376 snaps. So again, Nice football player here. Two-time honorable mention, all Big 12. 32 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks this past year. He did miss one game with an ankle injury. But, you know, he sometimes can have a – he's undersized a little bit. So he's six two and a half, almost 6'3", 295. That's not that big at the position. Um, and I understand why people give him a fourth or fifth round grade. He's the eighth ranked, I think, a third round grade from um, – the uh, PFF grade, Dane gives him a, a fourth, fifth round grade. A little bit the size stuff concerns them, and I understand that, but he's stout for the size. I think he does a pretty good job. He's got pass rush upside, in my opinion, that draws me in. So, again, you look at some of this stuff, some of the better run production grades, but I think the stuff as a pass rusher started to really come together. I think, I think he has a will to fight and, and get through uh, blockers just by sheer will because he plays hard. He's disrupted, he's got active hands, and, again, they tie that with that explosive first step. If he can consistently get the pad level where it needs to be, um, I think he's got a chance. Because sometimes if he gets too high, he can create run lanes, and that's not what the Browns want. They certainly are working as a collective group at playing lower to create better leverage at the point of attack. But, again, creative player. You can get you can get him in pass rush situations as maybe the one interior defensive lineman. If he can develop to the next level, he's still not 22 years old. You can see him getting a little bigger physically. That first step paired, right? People love Kalijah Kansi, the Pittsburgh kid. First step, I think I – think Ojimo has a pretty solid first step. Not saying it's the same by any regard, but one of the better first steps from that position. And that's 
a large part of the battle for defensive tackles. Like you look at Javon Dexter, all the tools in the world, but can't get off the football. That's that's the concern for me. Can you improve a guy's twitchiness at getting off the football? That's a concern, right? Even a guy like like Dexter, who's an extremely gifted athlete, that's a concern. Ojemo already has that. So can he put together the other pieces of his game, especially in my opinion, having played five seasons, 50 college games, he knows the physicality. He understands it. He's been out there. He's been around it. It's just, can he now put that all together at the next level? I, I'm certainly willing to take a swing on him, 111, 126. Some people have it up to 98. I'm not really saying 98. Uh, I could see it if they're in love with some of the grade stuff here, but yeah. I think that they, they they played so many bodies. Like He played all – he started 10 games – in 12 games in 21. And then they went with more of a rotational unit in 22. So we only technically air quotes started five and the snap count went down a little bit past the second round. It's, it's just a coin flip. And yeah. you're, you're trying to bet on some tools. I need him to be a good athlete and I like him to have some sort of success. And he's an over nine relative athletic score. While a guy like Jordan Elliott was down in the low sevens, he's a better athlete. He's got some relative grading success here. I like the tape. I can see why they would be drawn to Moro Ojimo at that like ninety-eight to one twenty-six range. Yeah, I think uh, to your point, when you get to the past, uh, you know, into the range you're talking about, there, he is my favorite of that group of like six, seven guys by far. So, to your yeah. point, I am a fan as well. Yeah, I like it. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. One one quick break. Of the episode we're going to do one more prospect each when we come back. So we uh, we're going to be right back after a word from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back in. This is a crossover between OBR Film Breakdown and All Eyes on Cleveland, Brad Ward, Jake Burns. We have shared with you our two prospects. Now our third defensive prospect we are projecting the Cleveland Browns will draft just coming this Friday and Saturday. We're close, Brad. We're really close. To we this really thing, are. So give us your third prospect. All right. So hopefully he's there, right? Isaiah Foskey, Notre Dame, 22 uh, years old, 22.4 years of age, 6'5", 264. He's an athletic freak, right? So he is... Uh, to, did I say 264? Yeah, I did say 264. Pardon me. Um, you know, 45840 for an edge, right? Uh, the broad jump is crazy, 96 percentile. Um, but once again, right, like he, uh, if you're looking at, at these things, um, you know, he's a little light. Right. And his bench, not great. So you're talking about there, where's the play strength and stuff like that. But if you uh, look at him, you know, you're talking about an elite athlete, uh, athlete, uh, freakish combination of speed. Uh, His one, four, nine, 10 yard split, Brad, is bananas. If that's the real time he ran, that is one of the fastest 10 yard splits that have ever been recorded as a as an edge. So you're talking about get off, right? Like yes. the ability to start those 10 yards. Explosion. Like that is, is a great explosion number for him. Yeah. He, that is just because he's super explosive uh, because of those numbers there. It, it, he, although you worry about his play strength at the point, at the point of attack, he's very good because his hands are violent and active and forceful. And he uses his upper body to kind of get around blocks. Uh, he's a hustle player, never stops. Right. Uh, you love to see that. But his hands are uh, enable him to disengage from blockers. He's instinctive. 
Um, he is very good at locating the ball quickly. Finishes off plays with a strong, authoritative tackler. Right. Um, he adds a. Uh, uh, he can play special teams if needed. I guess uh, if they needed him to. Right. Early. No, no I guess there. He's got. He's got three block punts in his career. Wow. So okay. he would be a big part of that. Two block punts is just this past year, both against UNLV. Take that for what it's worth. But block punts are block punts. Actually, has four. He had one his first year as well when he redshirted. He only played in four games so he can maintain the redshirt, but he also had a block punt. So four block punts in college for Foskey. That's kind of crazy. Um, that is insane, actually. Uh, good catch there on that. But, yeah, so special teams uh, right away. You know, my whole thing here, and I'll elaborate here, is if you're going to take an edge in this draft, you need to take one that kind of displaces Alex Smith, in my opinion, for the moment, right? And Or else it seems kind of like a waste to me, right? And unless it's a really good, like, down-the-line prospect. And this is a guy, I think, that would initially do that. He's projected to be like a rotational pass rusher right away. He has that bend that you're talking about around the edge, right? He can uh, set the edge well, and he's flexible enough to get that bend uh, on the pass rush. Um, And uh, quickness, change of direction, abilities are all there. Uh, he's a very, very good player, so he's uh, got a good feel for the game um, and uh, understands uh, leverage at the point of attack, right? Uh, inside, outside, uh, eyes in the backfield while moving through and off of blockers, right? Long limbs, core strength. He's got all of that stuff that you're looking for there. Uh, he just is... Uh, probably needs to get stronger, although, you know, his hands have helped him right now at the point of attack, right? Um, but he mm-hmm. probably needs to get stronger there. Um, and uh, other than that, I mean, there's not a lot of downside to his play. What, what do you have on him, Jake? I, I, he's, a, he's a lot of fun to watch. I think he can be really good. He's played a ton of football, right? So, um, and he's of age explosive player i don't my only question is does he last till 74 right there's a lot to like here yeah yeah he's he's definitely that like 40 to 70 guy right so if he got to 74 you'd be really happy with that i mean six forced fumbles in 2021 that led the entire country in forced fumbles on top of his 12 and a half tackles for loss 11 sacks so he's a third team all-american guy first team all-american last year where he had 14 tackles for loss 11 sacks Another forced fumble to add to that. Again, we talked about two block punts. I love team captain types. He was a team captain for his group. I think there are some things he needs to improve, like countering skills to what he tries to do. He's relying on that long arm mm-hmm. uh, all too often, playing through physical when he needs to. If he's, I get why he does that. He doesn't naturally bend and turn the corner uphill the way you want. Even though he is an explosive guy, that does translate in a lot of ways. He's just not... He doesn't overly look to run the arc, and I think guys can start to prepare for some of his long arm or bull rush stuff. So can he come up with answers off of that? And that, to me, is certainly stuff you can develop where you go at somebody, you threaten them with a bull rush, and then you hit them with a quick spin. Yeah, Those are developed things. I think he can do that. What you can't teach is the athleticism stuff, and he has it. He really has it, and he's put up production. He's figured out a way to get through blockers find ways to get i mean 22 sacks yeah, 11 sacks in, in 21 years. 11 and 22 yeah. yep and four and a half the year before that so like 26 and a half sacks over three years is really strong production mark stuff 122 tackles in his college career we talked about the block punts if he's their guy at 74 i am that's a home run i mean a lot to really like about him he's only 22 and a half so he's at the top end of the age range for a third round guy but that's fine i mean he's certainly checks a lot of the boxes you would want to check so if isaiah foskey's there at 74 that to me is like the only spot you can get him there's absolutely no way he gets to 98 but that's a fun prediction for pick 74 so i like that one a lot i mean hell a lot of people having over the course you know these things in the public perception brad ebb and flow and yeah you know at the time getting foskey at 42 felt like a win so if he's sliding because people get enamored with other parts of this thing in the pre-draft. If he slides to 74, that would be a home run again. I think the NFL is going to really value him. I, I mean, I think he blows away interview processes. He's a very, very smart guy. Yeah. Like, I just have a hard time seeing him get there. But if, if he does, like, if they, if he's there, Brad, you're right. They're, they're flat out picking him. There's not a doubt in my mind that they're picking him. Uh, PFF's number, player 62, edge 
13 over there. Beast has got him edge 11. Uh, consensus player 57, which is pretty high, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. edge 11 there too. So, um, that's the uh, that's the numbers overall. So there you have it. That's like that's it. my guy. I okay. hope, hope he's there. That'd be a, a a big win there, but uh, maybe a pipe dream. But you never know. No, you don't. I mean, like, I struggle with this one because there's a lot of edge guys that I would really like for them to get. Um, you know, I like Tuli Tuopolotu a lot. So two guys I wavered on a little bit. I, I have, again, I'm not, Foskey could be there. In my mind, he's a top 50 player. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that shakes out. You have, we have no idea. Every year it happens where there are players that drop lower than you expect by any means. So I think my mind said, okay, there's three guys as far as an edge I could predict here relatively early. I like Tui Tulipolotu a lot uh, from USC, but I feel like he's gone. I feel like he's a 50s, maybe early 60s player, too young. He's just barely, too, he's not even turned 21 yet. Inside-out versatility, a huge frame. The other one is Nick Herbig, I think, out of Wisconsin, is just a phenomenally productive player. But what is he? Is he an edge? Is he a Sam linebacker uh, who is a a sort of, chess piece less than a core piece is there some of that that is concerning and a reason to believe he could be a pick for the he checks every box could be a 111 like 98 to 126 range player because it's it's again how do you view this guy in the nfl every year shows you some of these tweeners where you'll have interviews where you'll hear herbig say i think they're going to move i've had discussions about moving to off-ball linebacker he played in a very similar role to joe Schobert at wisconsin who obviously then moved into an off-ball backer at the NFL level. I think Herbig could do that, but he's way more gifted as a natural pass rusher than Schobert ever mm-hmm. was. So, like, taking him off the edge and taking some of that creative ability away from him would be uh, very detrimental, in my opinion, to what he is as a player. So I like Herbig, but I'm just, what do the Browns think of that type? Now, new defensive coordinator, maybe he wants some more of these sort of chess pieces for his rotational group up front. He wants to move more bodies in and out, keep people fresh. Like Herbig on dead, like dead set past third downs or teams trailing would be a nightmare for teams to block consistently. So I'd be interested. But when I continue to look at edge types, I go to like, what looks the right for, for like what looks in every realm of this thing? What looks, I keep going back to Isaiah McGuire. So he's out of Missouri. He's a lot of fun. He's, he's again, uh, it depends on how you want to look at this thing, but as far as athleticism goes, if you start at the top of the, the board here, you know, what's the athleticism look like? Well, he's got a nine, five, three Mark, right? He's six, four, two seventy. That's the size of a defensive end at the NFL level, yeah. right? But he's a 36 and a half vert. He's a 10, two broad, Four seven six forty with a one five nine ten yard split, really strong. You get those things added up. He's an average um, agility score guy, but he actually on tape puts together really good arc running stuff here. So like he's the ninety fourth ranked player overall uh, for Dane at the Athletic. He's the seventy fourth ranked big board player at Pro Football Focus. There's just so much to like here for a guy who's still 21 years old at the time of the draft. Second team All-SEC last year where he led them in sacks. Seven and a half this last year, including 13 tackles for loss. Six uh, sacks the year before that, 14 tackles for loss. Team captain, again, I I, I can't stop saying it. You you should be a team captain. If you're around, like if you're not a redshirt sophomore, if you're a junior senior and you're that guy that's entering the draft, you should be a you should be a captain, you know, unless your team and you figure out a team shuffles through captains where it's a different senior every time. But like, there's just so much to like about him. So, you know, where does he win? Right. In my opinion, where he wins is flexibility. It, the pad level is pretty strong. I think he plays low. Uh, I don't think he has any issue with that. He gets his hands above his eyes, like as a bull rusher and a run defender. I think he can handle those things as well. So he can play low. He plays up through people. He's a power in, so he could be opposite of miles. He could play that strong side edge, got a physical presence about him. Now, just like I was talking about you earlier there with pass rush counters, right? Can Foskey develop those? That's another thing that you need McGuire to develop. But again, balance strength, really strong. The bend is strong for him already. He's got to get some more explosiveness to what he does, and the hands have to get better. But boy, is there a lot to work with here for a guy around pick 74. He has uh, a, a pretty considerable outside tackle experience. That's where he is. 22 run stops, tied for 32nd in the college level last year. He had 21 hurries, 7 hits, 7 sacks, according to Pro Football Focus last year. So the bend, jumbo defensive end, big body, 
reactive player, right? The eyes sometimes can get a little too focused in the backfield. He can sit on blocks a little bit too long where he doesn't disengage and close quickly enough. But I think there's enough here that they'll be really, really drawn to him. And like I said, a pass rush grade of 81.9. Does he check a lot of boxes? I see Isaiah McGuire checking a lot of boxes. So I just think the size, athleticism score, trying to find a guy like Alex Wright, taking swings on guys who can play that strong side edge opposite miles, be a bit more run to pass in your approach. I think it kind of fits here. So I feel comfortable with Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri as my third guy. Are there any other sort of guys you were drawn to or maybe were really close to putting in this before we close up, Brad? Well, actually, uh, you, you know, Isaiah McGuire is funny. It, last night we were doing uh, Walk the Mock, and it was either him or Zach Harrison. And uh, I was. They could like Zach a lot, too. Yeah. They, they, there's a lot. Yeah. Pro, big guys, man. Yeah. I went with Harrison in, in that instance. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think that. You know, the more that you compare those two, I might like McGuire better. I it's it's really kind of it's a tough one. I think that the the bend for McGuire over what Harrison doesn't really have that aspect, right? Like you're talking about running the arc or what you know the the ability to um, go around the edge that way. Uh, I think he has that over Harrison, and I think that's kind of uh, his advantage, right? Um, yeah. Why? Why is McGuire profiles like a guy that should be rated higher in the draft to me? What? What is his big knock? Why is he? I think it's some consistency stuff. He didn't put up huge numbers—seven, okay. six sacks. Depending, Pro Football Focus does sacks a little differently than yeah. some other places. They don't do half sacks and some things like that. So right. he never put up huge gaudy numbers, right? Okay. I do think there is some counter stuff where, like, the Senior Bowl wasn't as strong for him as you would have liked it to be. I think that like uh, some people there, like Matthew Bergeron is an offensive tackle I've talked about on this pod out of Syracuse, gave him some fits. So I think there are some concerns around does the power play at the next level the way you think it does, right? Because you can sometimes find really productive games at the college level against poor competition at some spots. Even though it's the SEC, you can still find matchups that are favorable. So I think there's some concern there. Is he as as explosive as you think he is? Uh, as a tester, right? The testing stuff is great. The vertical, the broad, the 10 yard split, but does that all translate right at the next level? So again, you're checking a lot of boxes. Does he, does he cover everything you want him to cover? And I can certainly see where people would be a little bit concerned that some of the stuff doesn't translate the way you were hoping it would translate from maybe his college tape into the senior bowl. And that cools off his stock. Like his stock to me is cooled down a little bit more than it's heated up. So Um, yeah, that's just, that's just kind of my thought on it. But again, he could be, he could be valued way more than we think. I mean, it's, it's so hard. Like we rely a lot on the thought process of like the mock consensus or Dane. And there's always these guys where it's like, Oh, okay. He just went 46 overall because the team fell in love with him. Yeah. That certainly could happen here. He's definitely a more bendy athlete, um, more diverse in his pass rush approach than Harrison, but Harrison is a genetic freak of nature i saw it when he was here in columbus playing high school football it never really translated because he's a very linear athlete he's stiff uh, a little more stiff than i thought he would be at the college level but you can't make guys with arms that long you can't make guys that physically imposing yeah and if he could find some way to get the other stuff to click maybe that's working with miles garrett watching him and being up close to it and figuring some of that out, then then it's worth the swing. Because again, what you're doing, and we've tried to reiterate this as much as we can, whether it's this show or others, you're taking lotto picks. Yeah. You're not in the fourth, third, fourth, fifth pit round picks, especially defensive line, like you're just taking a gamble on traits. That's the biggest thing you're doing because go look up these drafts, guys. I'm telling you, they don't hit anywhere near as much as you think they do. Even the guys who you're like, man, that guy was a he wasn't a first round pick like the Chris Joneses of the world. That's a second round pick. Those guys are second round picks that sometimes like there's one little flaw that falls into the second round. You do not see many of these studs go in in like outside the top 75. Every now and again, you'll have a Grady Jarrett, but you just don't see that many, right? The Max Crosby's are so few and far between. They're just so few and far between those, those fourth, fifth, sixth round type guys who just come onto the scene and they're, they're just a dynamic, but what you're hoping for is that McGuire and you know, whether that's Harrison or whoever 
can just be nice rotational pieces to the operation, man. That's 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 so, really all you're hoping for. So my 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 age case study, right? Because I've been all for expanding kind of the age guardrails a little bit. My age case study for this draft is is a guy I've talked to you about before, uh, Byron Young from Tennessee. He's twenty five. He's always twenty five and a half years old, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I don't. He is explosive, disruptive. He's everywhere. Like when you watch him, right in college and. I don't know how you can't love this guy uh, as a, as an edge. He, I don't think he has the bend. He's not your traditional really edge. He's, like you said, he's more of a linear athlete, right? But like he he's fun, right? Like he just is a, a maniac, right, of disruption on the field. And he's so fast. I think he ran like a ridiculous something 40, like a 4440 or 44840 or something like that, right? And uh, at 25 years old. So – I'll be interested to see where he gets picked, like who's willing to take a 25-year-old because they like him enough, right? And What a wild career for him. Right. Like going Gulf Coast yeah. Sports Academy out of football in 2018 after that year, then goes to the Georgia Military College for two years, and then gets to Tennessee where he's first-team All-SEC and leads the team in tackles for loss. And yeah. Just a wild ride. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested, Brad. What if, what if you know it's a new defensive coordinator who's coming in what if he's pounding? Jim Schwartz is like, I want this guy in the fourth round. You should get him in the fourth. Like that will be interesting to see if there's any buckling. Because again, those guys don't say these are rigid things that we live by. They always say their guidelines, and they have shown us, hey, we'll take a backer in the set linebacker in the second round, and yeah. you know we'll trade up for him. And they'll they'll bend on some things. Now, twenty five is like yeah, like bending like a pretzel. Yeah. But that would yeah. be. I mean, he's he's. There's enough to like about him. There's enough to like about seeing him be productive. I, I like him a lot. So like, I, my I'm interested to see who takes him and like who he goes above, right? And then just to watch his career, like I'm going to kind of track it. Like, you know, let's see how the. I know there's a larger uh, pool of uh, you know data that you can evaluate this age stuff on, and that's what they're working off of. So I know that there's reasons for why they do it. But this, but him as a guy that I personally like a lot, I'm going to track just for the uh, as as an interesting case study to see what his NFL career looks like. Who takes him? Who does he go in front of? What teams are willing to to take him at that age because they love his uh, his. Um, tape and his ex- explosive uh manner and and he's a he's a bully on, on the football field so uh he he's an intriguing guy yeah i me. mean a four a four four forty with uh <laughs> you know the jumps that he put together it's crazy 38 and 11 11 foot brought like it's it's, it's yeah. he's a freak he's yeah. a freak but you know what grow the question they're asking is and this is important to note is like at this age the question is is he, he's clearly a one contract guy. Is that enough given what we're going to invest in him? So you might ask like, why wouldn't a guy like that go? If you, you know, get four years out of, him? well, teams want more of that. If you're getting a second round pick, you want maybe six, seven yep. years out of a guy, right? Exactly. If he turns out good, you know, you don't want to give him a second contract and he's, he's 30 years old. That's some of the challenge. So the, there's just the, your point about this will be fascinating to study him as a case study here, who he's picked over and some of that. It's, it couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I have a hard time seeing him not find a role in the NFL somewhere. Yeah. Whether that's situational sub package or more full time, it wouldn't surprise me if he becomes a very good NFL player. Uh, but again, who's willing to jump in and take a second round or early third round pick for him? Or does he hang on until like the fourth round? And we all know why he would hang on till the fourth round. And then do you become interested in him as a team that's sort of committed to this guardrail stuff? Because, hey, we need guys that we know. You know, this is the thing we talked about this. And I know Andrew wrote up uh, our Andrew Spade here at the OBR wrote up or is writing up in the middle of what the Rams did. Right. The Rams gave up all those early picks yeah. to compete and championship window all in. But they were hitting late third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. They were hitting guys that were like seriously contributing to what they were doing. Yeah. So the point here being like, do you did some of this get tossed out the window? Because we know, like, look at Byron Young. We know the tape. He's 25, but we know we can get four good rotational pass rusher years out of this guy. And that matters to what we are trying to do here. Maybe we're less in the window of taking the Jordan Elliott's and crossing our fingers that we hit big and just say, hey, let's baseline this son of a gun. Let's just get guys who we think can come in and be a part of this. The floor is maybe higher, as you would say, right? Less swing on ceiling, more swing on 
higher basement, higher floor, yeah, and just get guys that we know can compete here because we're in a window where we really need to compete. Now, I don't think they completely shellac all of the, the the parts of this whole thing that they've always done. I don't see them doing that, and I'm not saying you're calling them doing it. But if we get into this draft and they start taking a bunch of older guys, maybe not a bunch, but two or three older guys, maybe earlier than some of us expect. You know, they took an old guy in Isaiah Thomas, but that was a seventh round pick last year. So, like, if they do, though, if they say they take him 111, like, I would not be stunned in any way, shape, or form if they started doing more of that because, again, we're changing a little bit of, like, we need some guys who we think can impact things right now, and we need guys that we have a better feeling than just preliminarily guessing that they could be at some sort of impact, right? So, again, I know some people are very religious about this stuff, and they won't bend on it. They won't think of it any other way, but I do think it's more in the realm of possibility that they do some of that, some bending on this stuff more than usual because their championship window is right here. And if they say, okay, we could have a player who we think could help us two years from now, or we have a player who we think could help us right now through two more years, right? At the minimum, a guy who we think is going to play four years of a rookie contract. Maybe he doesn't project well for a second contract, but we could get four good years out of him. I see the draw to that for a team that is clearly chips in the middle of the table. Absolutely. Letting it all hang out here. Yep. So... Yeah, you no, know, I, I get it. Andrew Barry said all the right things the other day, right? What he did, did he say? He said we draft, we draft for the future. We don't draft for now. But sometimes, when you're a GM who's a little bit under the pressure, got to win ball games this year to save. You know, if they go, I'm not saying if they if they go eight nine, they're going to get fired. But I am saying that there's some, some, you know, there's a little bit of the, the oven's on. It's not at 400 degrees, but the oven's on. And yes. does that move you to do some things differently than you have done traditionally in the draft? And I think some people think that would be just an unbelievable decision. Whereas I think that jobs are on the line. Sometimes decisions change a, a little bit. And I, I want to be careful with that. I'm not saying these guys have to win every game. You know, they don't have to have like some huge season. I think that there's a world where they could be nine and eight, eight and nine and still all be back. But what I guess I'm getting at here is that like, they know they can't be bottom out here. So they, they've got to, hit some picks uh, and I feel like there could be a little bit uh, a little bit I'm not trying to break the bible here with some of my stuff I'm saying <laughs> I just think it's not crazy to think that there could be some movement in terms of how rigid they have been on this stuff traditionally so I'll leave it at that Brad that's perfect uh I like it uh let me give you one last thought and we'll get off here two guys I don't want the Browns to take no matter what Andre Carter and Siaka Ika just gonna throw that out there. You've moved off Ika. You were on to you liked him for a little bit. Would you? Why'd you move well, off? Well, it wasn't so much that I liked him. It's that I saw PFF mocking him uh, to him. So that's why I asked you about him. I was kind of like PFF has mocked the Ika to the uh, Browns like fifteen times in a row now. Like, why are they doing yeah, I, that? I don't see them liking him. The testing is bad. He smells like a player similar to Danny Shelton. But, okay, like, take – and I'm not trying to draw the cultural comparisons there. Right. And, again, I think you would say that if you drafted Danny Shelton at pick 74 instead of pick, what was he, 13, you probably are okay with that in terms of, like, value for the pick. But I certainly just don't think they're looking – like, that type of player doesn't fit the mold of where the NFL is going. And, and I just have a hard time – seeing that be something that they're inclined to do uh, just would have a hard time with it. Yeah. So after you told me that you didn't, you kind of, you uh, compared him to Shelton, right? I think a little bit. And is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair. And again, okay. I hate that it's like tied into no, like what their no. cultural background is, but I do think that there's similar, I mean, they're run, they're run first, big body, not great athleticism, defensive tackles like that's seven, six. Rest. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So I asked, as I've had uh, five, six guys on Thursday nights now, uh, draft experts, and I've asked every single one of them about Ika after you told me that, and they've all kind of groaned and said the same similar thing. So uh, that's kind of the consensus. That So I have, you know, you, maybe the smartest, you know, football person I know telling me that, and then six other draft uh you know, guys that do it year round saying the same thing about him. I would prefer my football team doesn't select him. Uh, and then Andre Carter is just, I can't get behind. I can't get behind that. Like I know somebody's going to fall in love with him and take him probably, but I can't get behind like the, you know, he does, he didn't add the weight cause of the army and he's going to be able to add all this mm -hmm. weight on good luck. So. Not a good enough athlete for me right. to run after. Correct. So, 
I'm, I'm certainly with you on that. I, I think I've, I've seen Dexter. I'd be interested in Dexter because of the, yeah, because of the skill, the, the athleticism. But I have heard some concerning things about the person, the work ethic, the drive stuff. Sure. So take that for what you will. Another guy that I could have added here, but again, some of these rankings like Derek Hall from Auburn is a ton of fun, and he fits a lot of the guardrails. And he is, and I said it on another pod the other day, which customer he's a brick shit house. He is muscled up, yes, dude who could be fun. He's 58, but Adetomie, uh, Adebaware out of Northwestern, Dane has him 68. Yeah. Uh, Addy is one of the best athletes in this class. Like, if, if Addy was there at 68, I'd trade up for him, the Northwestern defensive tackle. Yes, like, he is. That's how much I like him. So, again, it's, it's a weird year. I know this is probably one of the last few times we'll talk about this stuff collectively. Uh, I know we're going to do a mock draft Tuesday, and I'll do some other player rankings, but the ranking of like players 30 to 75 are very different it's all place over to the place. place more yeah. i feel like more so than any draft i can remember so who the hell knows first of all well, it, there's a chance there's some really quality talent there at 74 that they could be very much involved in so um exciting all around even though they don't pick till 74 that Day two, late day two, where they go 74-98, potentially they could trade. You never know here, obviously, with these guys. They could trade. But then, like, the next day where you hit, like, boom, 111, boom, 126, boom, all of a sudden you're in 140, 142, it's going to move quickly. And, I, again, I'm excited about what they can do with these picks. And I am very interested from a case study perspective. Uh, I know I talked about this with Andrew yesterday about what the trends look like. We're, we're I feel like we all are very – there's some smart people here and Jack leads the, the the charge with this and some other people like TA on Twitter do a great job with it too. Looking at the draft trends that they use, what are the, they have got them very honed in, but this is starting to get to unique territory. They have quarterback solved. They have quarterback on a fat contract that starts to potentially change the window change of competition yeah. and it should, it should and could maybe switch those two around could and should, um, <laughs> see some ripple effect into draft decisions. So that's the singular most interesting storyline from a Browns perspective is not necessarily who they're taking. I can see getting behind a bunch of different approaches in this thing, mm -hmm. but more to me, like, do they change what they have done so often with between Sashi and when Andrew was tied to Sashi and when he has come back and led the charge himself, like that's what will be really, really fascinating in this year. Because I could see a lot of the people who have been committed to believing that they'll never come off these guardrails to being like, whoa, they did something different there. I think that's certainly very, very possible with this draft, Brad. And I'll be, uh, as we all will, at the OBR tuned into that. Yeah, we'll be there uh, Friday, Saturday, or uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I keep saying Fridays. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Uh, covered. It does start for everybody. Yeah. yeah, it starts for everybody on Thursday. We will be covering, like you said, every single pick. We will be live during the draft. Yeah, just buddy. Yucking it up, right? Mike, you, uh, Andrew, I'll be around uh, when I can, and Jack will come through, and more so on Friday, Saturday. Will it be popping a little bit when the Browns have actual picks? But the first round is always fun no matter what because it's just a circus and yeah. the, the landscape and all that. It's really fun to just have conversation around it. I was telling Andrew yesterday, like, it's going to be kind of weird when they do have a first-round pick again in 2025 when we're like, Dude, the last first-round pick these guys made was Greg Newsom, who could be on a different team by then because yeah. he sort of rides the wind of what he wants to do. Yeah, he flies to the beat of his own drum. So it's just three years is a long time not to have a first-round pick, and we're in the trenches of just the second year of all that stuff. But still, the first round is no matter what fun because, again, you, you just see so many storylines and players and all that. So it'll be a big blast. Brad will be there. Andrew will be there, like I said. Jack, me, Mike Keefe, I'm sure Barry and Fred and everybody else will pop in and out. But this is a fun episode, Brad. A lot of really fun defensive options yes. out there for the Browns to yeah. take, and I hope they do find their way into a couple of these guys you and I talked about. Agreed. Uh, can't wait. Thursday. I'm just, uh, excited. We're uh, less than uh, six days away, I believe. So, yeah. Some, something like that, man. Yeah. This, this time next week we'll be breaking down – the picks that they've made because the draft will be over that's kind of crazy it's a big build up and then it happens very very quickly <laughs> so like i said a full slate of shows at the obr this week we'll have everybody's show obviously brad's show uh, all eyes on cleveland will be bumped off the airwaves just this week because of the draft Bastards. but we should have everything else we'll have a big mock draft on tuesday 
uh, where we'll go through. Uh, I'll have Brad on that show. We're going to do a bunch of different mocks. We're going to do everybody's opinion on their own mock. See which one you guys like the most. I just told Brad. Brad's just hearing that news. I, I hope he's willing to come on on Tuesday. I am always but, uh, willing. I am always willing. <laughs> yeah, so we'll do that. It'll be a big extravagant event. And then, like I said, Thursday will be here before we know it. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. Three defensive prospects from Brad, three from myself. And I think there's a chance each and every one of those guys are picked. So thanks for stopping by, everybody. Appreciate it. From Brad, All Eyes on Cleveland. From myself, the OBR Film Breakdown. Continue to check us out where we have many draft profiles going up. I know that Brad is going to put up his things. I think I know about the Cleveland Browns uh, article itself. He's also going to recap his uh, exciting 32-team mock draft event that he did over the weekend, which was really fun. So check out that write-up as well. A lot of great stuff. Jack's going to finish up his three most likelies at every position this week. And again, we will have that uh, most likely big board uh, to you guys uh, available for you to download and follow closely with the age guardrails that Jack has done a really great job on. So we got you covered every angle of the OBR. So for Brad, for me, we appreciate you stopping by and joining us for a Sunday conversation on the OBR film breakdown and all eyes on Cleveland. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.